And uh, I want to introduce my wife, Jane. And uh, why don't you start us off this morning? Hi, good morning. And I'm um, honored to be here with my husband. And I don't know about you, but um, is anybody here, did anybody here grow up in a home where your mom used a scare tactic? And I grew up in a home like that. And I thought it was just a Filipino thing. But I remember my mom would say, like, don't eat the watermelon seeds because it, the watermelon's going to grow out of your body. Like, and as a little kid, I remember picturing like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have like leaves growing out of my, you know, my ears. I'm going to have these twigs coming out of my nose. And I never touched like watermelon seeds since then. <laughs> or she would say something like, oh, don't go over there. The boogeyman will come and get you. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go to the dark. But, um, you know, moms use these scare tactic, and then we're, you know, little kids are scared of monsters. So this morning, I want to share something that we call it monsters of motherhood. That moms feel sometimes, you know, these are the scary things that, you know, that we fear. And um, as we go in through the, the scripture today, motherhood can be the same. You know, um, before I, before I had my first uh, daughter, I remember talking to my mom and she was telling me, you know, I never had an epidural in all four of your kids, you know, and I thought that was scary. I mean, I need drugs. And then I talked to my grandma. Did we just hear that in church? I need drugs. Be careful then, how you take that in context, you know, so. And then I hear my grandma and she's like, we didn't have, you know, I had home births, all 10 of them. And that was even more scary. And she was like, you know, we don't have any technology. We had, you know, we just had a midwife come and and these are things that scare us moms. And that's why we want to talk more about these monsters of motherhood. But, um, Pastor, go ahead and read uh, Genesis 29, 31 to th- 16 to 30. Yes, ma'am, I will. All right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Now, we're looking at Genesis chapter 29, and we're going to look at a few verses here. And this is the story uh, about a woman by the name of Leah. And let me just give you a little bit of backstory, okay? Leah's father's name is Laban, and Leah is going to be in an interesting situation. As the story unfolds, you'll see that scripture doesn't hold back at all. It just kind of tells it like it is. So in verse 16, the Bible says this, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, how would you like that? I mean, what a great way scripture just introduces you, right? Like this is going to go down through the, uh, through history as, oh, you were the girl with nice eyes. Like scripture didn't know what to comment, but scripture needs to be polite to her. So it's like, what's something nice I could say? Uh, your eyes. Yeah, those are nice. You know, it's like, you know, telling a girl, well, she's got a good personality. You know, it's just not working. It's just not. No. And then to hear that your younger sister has a great form. Like, man, this is a tough comparison, okay? And um, verse 18, the Bible says, now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And this is where we all kind of go, oh, you know, isn't that nice? You know, this guy's making us look bad. I don't like him. And uh, verse 19, and Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days because of the love that he had for her. Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. Now, time out just for a second. Okay, time out. All right, now, this is interesting, okay? Anybody that grew up in the church, you know what's about to happen. But if you didn't grow up in the church, here's who's supposed to be getting married. Jacob is supposed to be marrying who? Rachel. Rachel. 
Laban just told Leah, hey, you know, today's your sister's day, and your sister looks great, doesn't she? And we spent a lot on this wedding. Isn't this wedding beautiful? It's a great wedding, isn't it? Hey, you know, we're going to get Jacob really drunk tonight, and uh, you, Leah, are going to go in and consummate the marriage, and you're actually going to be getting married. What kind of conversation? I mean, what a weird conversation. You know, on your sister's wedding day, you'd be like, are you, what? What's going on? And then you know Laban had to have the same conversation with Rachel. Like, hey, Rachel, baby girl, you look great. You know, I'm, I'm excited. I got my lines down. We're gonna walk you down the aisle. But, hey, you know how you were supposed to go to Walt Disney World for your honeymoon? Yeah, that's gonna be Leah. You know, it's kind of like a United Airlines flight. You got booted, you know, kind of one of those things. And um, so, so imagine that conversation. This is pretty real, isn't it? Here's what scripture goes on. So, so now we're meeting a woman by the name of Leah, Leah never gets her own wedding. She doesn't get that day. She doesn't get that moment. That moment is stolen. Every girl is looking forward to that moment. My daughter, since she has been one and a half and could understand a wedding, has been looking forward to that moment of the white dress, the very expensive wedding, and all the details and trimmings that go along with it. Leah misses out on that. And so the scripture goes on. The Bible says, verse 22, And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning it was Leah like Jacob didn't know in the morning he wakes up and looks over hey you're not who you're supposed to be you know and some of you guys are like I remember that moment don't say it out loud just look straight you know just like wow man you with the makeup up no it's just don't just scripture let's stay focused on this so it came to pass in the morning behold it was Leah and he said to Laban what is this that you have done to me was it not Rachel that I served you why then have you deceived me and Laban said it must not be done so in our country so give the younger before the firstborn fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week so he gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife also and Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid notice what scripture says in verse 30 then Jacob also went into Rachel and he also loved Rachel more than Leah and he served with Laban still seven years. Verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So here we've set the groundwork. Here's a woman that she didn't want to be put in this situation. She's found herself in this situation through no fault of her own. She hasn't done anything wrong. This is something that's been forced on her. And now, in the midst of a bad situation, she's also unloved. So let's talk about the monsters of motherhood. What would you say would be the very first monster that this mom, Leah, would face, but then maybe some moms in the room might face? Well, I don't think it's only for the moms. I mean, this could apply to anybody. But um, how Leah felt, the Bible said... The Lord saw that Leah was unloved. And in other versions, it said that she was hated. And I think about that verse, she probably felt insignificant. Mm. The first one is insignificance. Leah felt unloved because Jacob was forced to marry her. I mean, imagine living in a home where your mom constantly trying to please your dad. Mm-hmm. I mean... He's, she's doing everything she can to get his attention. She's doing, you know, the first child that she, um, that she had... She named him Reuben, which means a son. Like, hey, I got a son for you. The second one was um, Simeon. It says, behold, he just, here's another one. He's going to listen to me. And keeps going on and on. She's using her children to get his attention. And as moms, our jobs can be a routine. Our jobs can be, we could feel like it's unimportant sometimes. 
And I want to encourage every mom here, every woman here, fight with the truth of your calling, that mm-hmm. we are called. Um, the Bible said, um, as I go over this, what Jacob rejected, God selected to be in the line of Christ. And it's mm-hmm. interesting how th- throughout um, Leah's life, she felt rejected by Jacob. Yet Christ chose her. God chose her. First of all, we're called to teach. <clears throat> I want to encourage the moms here. When you teach a kid to work hard, you teach him how to work through whatever's hard. And sometimes, you know, you, you go through this stage where I don't think it's working. You know, this child is very stubborn. It's just not working. But we're, that's what we're called to do. We're called to teach her children. Otherwise, another person will come and teach them. It could be their friends. It could be an outside influence. But we are called to teach. Not only we're called to teach, we're called to pray for our children. I think about Hannah in the book of First Samuel where the Bible said, this child I prayed for. And that's one thing us moms are supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for our children. I know you and I pray for our kids before they go to bed, but I try to make it a habit even before I go to bed. Everybody's asleep, everybody's snoring. I go to their rooms and I put my hands on them. I lay my hands on them and I speak life in their lives, even though they're you know four and six. And sometimes I think they're still awake, but I you know I pray for them. I, I you know I say things like you're gonna be you're gonna be a man of God one day. God's gonna use you. And I just speak life into their lives as mm-hmm. they're asleep. And as you know, we moms, mm-hmm. that's our job to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Not only we're called to teach, we're called to pray. We're also called to have faith. Um, in the book of Timothy, at that time, women were not mentioned in the Bible. In fact, they didn't have a lot of, um, they didn't have a lot of platform. But Paul mentioned Lois and Eunice, which are Timothy. He's uh, one of the um, one of the people that Paul was mentoring. He mentioned Lois and Eunice, and what he said about them he mentioned about their sincere faith. He didn't mention how nice their house was. He didn't mention that in the Bible. He didn't say like, oh, you guys are, you know, very crafty. You guys are doing all these for your kids. All he mentioned was their sincere faith. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, that spoke to my heart that one thing that my children will remember, probably, you know, they're probably going to know how messy our house is and how I'm always like yelling or something, but I want them to remember that I have a faith that I transferred. (laughs) But, Moms, we have a lot of faith because we look at that baby in our arms and we look at that baby and we say, you're going to be walking, you're going to be potty trained before you turn 18. We, we look at that 18. child. Some 18 year olds, we wonder. We look at that teenager who has a big attitude and we see a concerned citizen with a family on their own someday. You know, we look at a kid who can never find their socks or their math homework or um, their, you know, they can't find their shoes. But we know, we have the faith that one day they're going to find a girlfriend, they're going to find a job, and they're going to find Jesus. And we just have mm-hmm. that faith in us. Or, you know, you look at a, you look at your pantry or your fridge, everything is about to go bad. I mean, and I do that. I do the smell test where I kind of feel the vegetables, if <laughs> they're still, like, good. And you somehow make wonders and have a miracle. You have a dinner set. For like in you know in a minute in a matter of ten minutes while you're trying to break out a fight you're trying to help somebody get hurt and that's what moms do we have so much faith um, I was thinking of this lady has anybody here heard of uh, Cheryl Shanberg? CEO of um, Facebook um, anyway she wrote this book it's called Lean In and it's talking about anybody how heard women of the book? Lean In a few of you a few okay okay it's talking about women how. She's a mom. She's doing, she's doing all these things. And she's telling them, you know, we can do it. We can do it. 
And I, I look at that book and I'm like, I just want to lay down. I don't want to lean in. I need a nap. I mean, I'm exhausted. But um, as moms, you know, we feel that we're insignificant. But I want you to know you have to fight with the truth of our calling. We're called to teach, we're called to pray, and we're called to have faith in our children. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, too, as husbands, fathers, at, in the role of supporting. Maybe you're saying, well, we don't have children yet, but how are we supporting maybe the mom-to-be? How are we supporting that person? How are we speaking life into that person? Because it's a very challenging role to be a woman today in society. It's not easy. It's very difficult. And so we, too often, we can kind of step back instead of reengaging. There's such a thing as a passive parent. There's such a thing as a passive father, a passive dad. And so the challenge for men especially is to not go passive, to not just kind of think, you know what, I'm going to numb myself with a couple of hours of TV. I'm going to numb myself and I'm going to catch up on my fantasy football league. I'm going to numb myself with the playoffs. Actually, the playoffs are holy. That's, that's okay. All right. But, you know, I'm going to numb myself with something else instead of, wait a minute, the kids and staying involved and helping. Um, the Bible says in Genesis, you look at Genesis and creation, the story of creation, if you look at that, and in, in the background that we take, Judeo-Christian values, you look at Genesis, the Bible says that God created a help meet for Adam. A help meet means meet the help that Adam's supposed to do. So Adam is the primary worker, correct? So God brought a help meet. But here's what we as men do. Okay, you're going to cook the meals, you're going to raise the children, you're going to get them to school, you're going to keep them safe, you're going to make sure they get good grades, you're going to make sure they're healthy, and they're well balanced. Hold on, problem. God said, no, 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 they're the help meet to you. So the husband has the responsibility to make sure they grow up the right way, that they're turning out, that they're provided for. And the wife is the compliment, the help. But what happened today in society? Most women today are leading the homes. Not because they're against it or anything, or they want to be, because too many people have abdicated their role. And so I want to encourage us to step back into that space, to re-engage with that space. And I better be careful to run away with this a little bit too much. And so what's the next monster of motherhood that we see? The second one that I see is in verse 32, where it says, So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. And this is such a sad verse Mm. because this is her second born. And she's thinking, you know what? I'm going to get his attention at this time. And I see the the monster of isolation. Mm. And this is not only for moms. Like I said, this could be for anybody. It could be for dads. You know, even if you don't have any kids, we feel isolated. Um, I know there's a lot of moms in this room. You feel lonely. I mean, you're in a you're in a house of noise. You hear kids crying. You hear kids fighting, or you you know you hear your teenagers. But you're lonely inside. And I want to encourage you, as um, even though if you're not a mom, instead of giving someone a piece of your mind during those moments, it turns out far better if you give them a piece of your heart. Mm, that's good. Let's stop. Hold on. You got to say that one more time because like half of them, I saw them like write it down. The other half, they're just thinking about lunch. Okay. So say it one more time because that was really good. Instead of giving someone a piece of your mind, it turns out far better if you give mm. them a piece of your heart. And this mm. talks about how moms today have so many, have so much pressure. You know, even before you give birth, people are telling you, you know, go drug free or go have epidural. You know, are you going to nurse? Are you going to give formula? Are you going to vaccinate? Are you not going to vaccinate? And there's all this pressure as this moms feel like, 
you know, what do I do? And even, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I wish I had done that. Or I wish someone told me that. I just never knew. And there's, it's funny because we have a support group for moms of preschoolers called MOPS. And I know there's moms here who wish there's, uh, there's a group for moms of teenagers called MOTS. <laughs> and um, it's, it's interesting because I read that when you have teenagers, you feel very isolated. And it's this, this point of your motherhood where you can't tell anybody that you're struggling with a teenager because, you know, you care about how they feel and what people think about you. But I want you to know when you go through this isolation that you want to fight with the truth of your great company, that God is with you. I remember reading this verse when I just first had my first, um, my daughter. It says in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And a lot of times, us moms, we feel like we're lonely. You know, we're doing everything. And especially feel for the single moms because they're doing the dad and the mom. And that's a lot of pressure for one person. Um, how many here knows the poem about the giving tree? Or maybe you've heard about the story of the giving tree? And I found one. It's called The Giving Mother. And um, when I saw this, I got teary-eyed, I'll be honest. And I was like, you know, i got to share this to the moms. It says here, The Giving Mother. Because God needed someone to love the least and the little into real whole people, he knew that to love is to suffer, so God made a mother. And this is for, you know, I think of the sleep-starved moms who are changing diapers and constantly awake, you're exhausted, you're doing laundry. God knew somebody has, somebody could do that. So that's why God made a mother. That God had said, I need someone with a strong heart, strong enough for toddler tantrums and teenage testing, yet broken enough to fall on her knees and pray, pray, pray. Someone who knows that in every hard place is exactly where you extend grace. So God made a mother. And moms, we know that. The time where you're tested, you just want to, you know, scream at this kid. That's when you extend grace. God said, I need someone who can shape a soul and find shoes on Sunday mornings and get grass stains out of Levi's. Make dinner out of nothing and do it again 79, 678 times and keep kids off the road and out of the toilet in clean underwear, mainly alive, though she's mainly losing her mind and will put in 80 hour a week before Wednesday just to do one more load of laundry. So God made a mother. Mm. Who could pretend she remembered algebra and how to get home from here and that really she was just fine? No, it's just those silly onions. Somebody who would run for the catch, jump on a trampoline, and play one fierce game of soccer and not give a thought to all those labor, labors and her weakness. Somebody who'd stayed up late with a science project that never ends. We all know moms actually do it. I used to teach, and then this kid brings in this really nice project, and I'm like, I don't think you did that. I think, I think your mom did that for you. But moms right here. do it. Can we get away? How many you know? Your mom, she totally did a science project. Okay, there we go. A few of you are honest, you know, so yeah. And somebody who'd get up early for the game in the rain. Somebody who'd wave at the door until the taillights were out of sight and still be smiling brave. So God made a mother. God just knew that somebody, he had to make someone who's be, who would be willing to keep loving when it made no sense. Because that's what love does. You know, you see this child constantly hurting you, constantly 
giving you heartaches and you know you can't sleep at night, yet you still love that person. Mm-hmm. And God just knew oh, only a mom can do that. Yeah. A mom, it's in a mom's heart. So when you go through this isolation, you feel lonely, remember that you are in a great company. God right. put you in that family. God put you in that child's life because he knows you're the one perfect for that person. That's right. That's so good. So we've looked at the monster of insignificance, looked at the monster of isolation, and uh, let's look at this third monster. And what would you say the third one would be? I see the monster of insecurity. And again, to me, that seems, sorry to cut you off for a second, but that seems a lot like insignificance. So why would insecurity and significance be? Insignificance is how you feel, what you see about yourself. Insecurity is how you feel about yourself. Mm. And this is mm. not only for moms. This is, you know, a yeah. dad or a single person, a teenager. We all feel insecure. Yeah. And it's interesting because the the verses three, 33 and 34, the Bible says, then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. He has therefore given me this son also. And she named him Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And it's interesting how Leah found her identity in her kids. You know, she really she was really trying to win his attention. She was trying to get his approval. And finally the uh, verse 30 I believe it's verse 35 where it says I will now praise him hmm. and she bore another son and she named him Judah. Now, how many here are familiar with the name Judah? That's where the line of Christ came. And when she came to the point, you know what? I'm done pleasing this guy. This guy is just never going to love me. This guy is just never going to give me attention. And that's when God gave him the last, the fourth son, and she called him Judah. Our acceptance doesn't come from our achievements. And a lot of times moms... That's we good. feel that, you know, we, we feel our approval is when we have, we achieved all these things. You know, I'm going to be approved by my friends because my kids do this or my kids are in this. And we have that pressure as moms. But I want you to know when you feel insecure, I want you to fight with the truth of your confidence. And our confidence doesn't come from how people perceive us, mm-hmm. but on how God sees us. That's right. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Also, our children is not a reflection of who we are. Yeah. And I wish, you know, I constantly tell this to myself. When you, I, have, um, I have two little ones, and I'm in the grocery store, they're throwing a tantrum, and everybody gives you that look, like, you know, you need to, you know, you need to discipline your kids or something. And I just have this pressure, like, oh, my goodness, I'm sorry. You know, this kid just had a nap, and I woke him up, and now he's a little demon around here <laughs> throwing things, and I can't calm him down. And moms feel that pressure. But I want you to know, our children, it's not a reflection of who we are. That's not who we are. I've met so many moms, you know, they've had grown kids, and they share with me, you know, I have so much shame and guilt because my, my kids ended up doing this. They chose to do that. And that's not our fault. I want you to know that's not who you are. That's not who God made you to be. Number one, you don't have to know how to do it all. You just have to choose to be all here where you are. I want you to make every moment count. When you feel insecure, you know, when you're there with your child. Not just This is not just for the moms. This is for every relationship. When you're talking to someone, and I know I'm a big um, offender of this. I always have my phone. And I feel like I have to take a picture, you know, I have to do this, and I have to put it on Facebook. Before we eat anywhere. How many of you, before you can eat, it's not prayer, it's you got to take a picture of the food. How many? Come on, let's be honest. This church, let's be real. Okay, there's a few of us. Before you get to eat it, before you pray, you got to take a picture of it. That's like the new thing. Yeah. And it's, 
you know, our phones are a great distraction for us. Um, I got really convicted of this, and I was driving in the car one time. I, um, you know, I told my, um, I told my son I want to do some errands, so I got in the car. I said, you know, it takes about 15 minutes to get this, to get to this place. So we have a newborn; he's asleep. I put my um, toddler in the back or preschool. And I turned on a podcast. I want to listen to this podcast. I said, you know, I just want some peace and quiet. And he started talking. Nobody in the car, but just me. But he, I don't know if your child does this, but they always say your name. Like, mom, da-da-da, whatever. Mom, you know this. And I had this, and I was, you know, I'm going to tune him out. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me like I'm the only one who does this. Because <laughs> you guys do that, too. You know, your child talks to you like, oh, mom, watch this. And you're not even looking. You're like, oh, that was so cool. You're not even looking at him. Or like, mom, you know this happened? And you're like, yeah, yeah, you know. And anyway, I was doing that to him. He was, you know, telling me the story. Mom, you know, this happened. And at that moment, God just spoke to me and like, you're not even listening to him. What are you doing? And that like really crushed my heart. So I turned off the podcast and I engaged myself mm. with him, with his conversation. He was telling me how he built this Lego and he, you know, he, he had all these things. And I'm like, oh, that was really awesome. And I, you know, I looked at him from the side view mirror and I said, you know, I, I'm listening to you. And sometimes we do that too, not just for the moms. You know, we do that to our spouse. We do that to our coworkers. We do that to our friends. You know, we tune them out. They're talking and you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know? <laughs> and then I know he does this a lot because I'd be like telling him later, like, oh, you told me that? And I'm like, I did tell you you weren't listening <laughs> but i want this is about I, um, them this is not couples therapy all right stick to the script but as moms <laughs> that's right but as moms we want to be engaged to our children we want to that's be right. there you know when you're watching a game when you see them you know when when you go to their game be there and actually watch mm. them when you know when they have a performance be there and actually watch them also you don't have to be awesome and do everything you simply have to believe that the one who is awesome loves you through everything. Mm. And as moms, you know, we live in this. I have so many um, picture apps on my phone. And um, there's one that, like, makes it, like, you know, it's called Photo- Photoshop Express. It takes out the blemish on your face. You know, or if your child has, like, chocolate on his face, you could actually take it out. And we have all these apps on our phone to, you know, put all these filters. Mm-hmm. But... It's, it's gotten to a point where we're always covering something. We're always pretending to be something. And it's interesting how Rachel, the Bible said she looked good. I mean, yeah. she was beautiful. But it also said she was barren. She was empty inside. She, she couldn't have any kids. And moms, we have this pressure where we always have to be presenting. You know, we present our kids. We present our homes. We, we take a picture of our dinner, you know, that we, what we made. We take a picture of how we, you know, we cleaned up the house. And we're looking for this approval from the social media. People who don't really care what we did, to be honest. They don't really care if you cleaned your house. They're not, you know, I don't know. But moms have this pressure. And I remember you had mentioned this before, that God doesn't bless who we pretend to be. Yeah. Because if you're constantly presenting, you're never present. You get it? If you're constantly always presenting this image, then are you ever present in the situation? And let's go back for a second, okay? So uh, Leah and Rachel are married to this guy by the name of Jacob. Later on in, ch- in chapter 37, Jacob is going to wrestle God. He's going to wrestle with God. And God's going to say, hey, let me go, let me go. And we don't have time to look there because we've got to uh, wrap up. But Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Now, it's interesting that Jacob is wrestling with God. And then finally, God asks Jacob a question. He says, who are you? 
And Jacob answers, I'm Jacob. And it's interesting. Why would God ask that question? Did God forget who he's wrestling with? Is it like, hey, amnesia? No, God remembered. Because what was the last time somebody asked Jacob his name? What did Jacob say? Jacob said, I'm Esau. He stole the blessing by using a disguise, pretending to be somebody he's not. And I think there's this pressure on everyone in this room to project at work. Why? Because you need to get that next position because you want to get that raise. You want to provide that, that nice car for your spouse. You want, to, you want to get this. So you're always feeling like, oh, I've always got to present. But then where's the authentic self? Where's the person that God's called you to be? Because that's what the world is missing out on. You see, some of you, you're wondering why God is not allowing you to succeed because God is not going to allow you to succeed in who you're not called to be. He wants to bless the authentic you. That's who he wants to bless. Now, we're in a culture that says, no, authentic you is a size two. Authentic you has a six pack. Authentic you makes a six figure salary. Authentic you has three cars and a boat. And nothing's wrong with things. But if we find our identity in those things, then that's when it becomes wrong. And so in this passage, this is what's so powerful about Leah. She got it. She said, Judah, this is great. I'm still in your thunder. Keep going. This is good. Also, moms, you don't have to be afraid because you have a father. Mm. And, you know, when you go through this monster of um, insecurity, sometimes we don't see what's going to happen. We don't see how this kid is going to turn out. This child has been causing me so much heartache. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how four children, the first four children of Leah, the first one was Reuben. Mm-hmm. And if you're familiar with the life of Joseph, this was the guy who, when the brothers said, we're going to kill Joseph, you know, we don't like him. Reuben was the one who said, no, let's throw him in the pit. He was the one who saved Joseph. And then one of the other sons was named Levi. And Levi, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, that's where the priestly, all the priests came from, the line of Levi. And Leah at this time was wondering, you know, I'm, I'm alone. I'm, I feel insignificant. Um, I feel all these insecurities. She had no idea that her kids, this is what can happen to them. And the best part was Judah. Because if you're familiar, that's where the line of Christ came, from the line of Judah. And you're probably looking at that child who's you know, making you stay up late, making you, you know, cry, making you shut the door and just, oh, I want some quiet. You don't know what, how, that, how God's going to work in that person's mm-hmm. life. And as moms, we need to remember throughout all these things that God's grace is sufficient. Right. And I always think of that verse because that's my life verse when uh, that, that verse, the word says sufficient. What does that mean? Um, how many here drink water on Sundays? I hope you drink water. <laughs> we don't drink gallons of water on Sunday to make it through the whole week. We only drink what we need. That's how God's grace is. You know, God's grace meets you at the moment. That moment when you're ready to just like scream at this kid. God's grace is there. That moment when you're crying and you're frustrated, I don't know what to tell this kid. I don't know how to handle this. God's grace is going to be there. It doesn't give you a ton where you're like, you know, about to throw up with water, like if you drink with water. But when you need it, when you're thirsty, you drink, you'll get a drink of water. And that's how God's grace works. Right. It doesn't, you know, he doesn't give you a ton where you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. But when you just need it, when you're in that moment where you feel lonely, God's grace will be there. Mm. When you're in that moment where you feel insecure, God's grace will be there. Amen. And um, grace also embraces you before you prove anything. And after you've done everything wrong, even after you've done everything wrong, that's what grace does. When you feel like, you know what, 
I messed up on that kid. I don't know what I said. I just, uh, I don't know what I, you, you know, you want to take it back. And I know moms here in this room feel that way where I just said something really stupid to that child. I shouldn't have said it, you know, and you feel all this guilt in you. But grace says, I'm still going to love you hmm. because that's what Jesus did. Yeah. Grace says, you don't have to prove to your friends that you're this cool mom or you're, you know, you're doing all these things for your family. Grace says, no, I love you enough because I died for you. And that's what grace does. It buries your fear that your faith is not enough or you have too many faults. Moms often feel that at the end of the day. I mean, at least I feel that. I remember there's some nights where before I go to bed, and I think I've told you this, I'm like, today I felt like a failure. And he's like, no, 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 you didn't do that. You know, I'm like, no, really, I did. <laughs> you know? and, and you have this, like, you have this, I don't know, a voice in your, in your, in your mind that tells you, you just blew it today. I don't know what kind of mom are you, but you said you were going to do this, you know. And grace in those moments will tell you, no, I still love you. That's right. Because I died for you. Mm-hmm. Those are the moments where we moms, we feel that, you know, I can't do it anymore. Grace will be there. Mm, that's good. That's so good. And as we kind of wind things down, we understand this grace is great. This grace covers our sin. This grace is what makes possible for salvation. But if we look at the story of Leah, it's kind of a depressing story. And you're kind of like, well, does any good come of this passage? Does anything good come of Leah? And it's sad because Leah does go through a lot. Um, in the earlier service, Jane mentioned the fact that um, when Jacob's going to return home and he confronts his brother Esau, that he's very afraid that Esau is going to attack him, try to kill him. So he decides this elaborate plan where he says, okay, I'm going to separate my family out and I'm going to send him in waves, just in case Esau does come, he doesn't kill me first. So the first wave is going to be Leah. I'm going to send you and your family. You're going to be first. This just shows what kind of guy this is. Maybe you're feeling a lot better about who you married right now. You're like, at least he didn't try to push me over a cliff. And then it's, it, it was his handmaids and everything. And then it was finally Rachel and her family. But here's what's interesting. The Bible records in scripture that, and typically in culture is true, like when you're going to be buried, when I die, I plan to be buried next to Jane, you know, when she passes away. And so in scripture, the same thing. Uh, When Abraham died, he was buried next to Sarah. But you want to know who Jacob was buried next to? How many think it would be Rachel? Oh, you know I'm going to mess with you. So you're like, I'm not going to raise my hand. That's a trick question. I didn't come to church to be tricked. Man, you're right. He chose to be buried next to Leah, the person that all through her life was trying to get that acceptance. I think it's interesting how Leah went through her life seeking Jacob's approval, wanting his attention. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, when they came back, that was so messed up that Jacob did that to her. Like, you know, if Esau, like, attacks me, you can go first and die. But she never, she never felt love by, by Jacob her whole life. She had all these kids. She thought, you know, I'm going to get his attention. He's finally going to love me. I mean, I have Reuben, Simeon. I mean, he named all, she named all their kids. And the names at that time didn't mean like, oh, this is just a name. The, the names of her kids meant something. She's sending out a message to Jacob, like, hey, I want your attention. Look at me. I have all these kids for you. And her whole life, she went through her whole life never getting his attention, his approval, his acceptance. But she was still buried next to Jacob. Mm. And I I know uh, we have some women in this room. You're probably going through this situation. You just want his attention. You just want him to do something. You just want him give make you feel like you're loved or you feel lonely right now. But I'm here to encourage you. You may not see it, but at the end... God is still there. That's God right. was still there for Leah. That's right. That's right. Man, that's great. 
There's a story about a woman by the name of Davida Dalton from Costa Mesa. She wrote a story, and this is uh, where she had 10 children, and uh, she has an 11th child on the way. And she's talked about this four or five-year-old that's just constantly under her feet. And I know moms and dads, you, you've been through this, where everywhere she went, this child was right behind her in her footsteps. And so she'd turn around, she'd have a basket of laundry, she'd almost dump it on him or trip on him, and just constantly, she's like, hey, honey, you need to go play in your room. You want to play with the Legos, toys? She's like, no, mom, I just want to be with you. And then finally, you know, this is going on all day. And she finally, at the end of the day, she's tripped on so many times. She's like, honey, you need to go outside. You need to do something else. Why are you always walking behind me? And this is what the little boy said. The little boy said, this week in Sunday school, we learned that we're supposed to follow Jesus. But since I can't see Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Some of you are the only picture of Jesus your family will see. Amen. You're the only picture of Jesus your coworkers are going to see, that your neighborhood is going to see that your family's going to see, that your friends on Pinterest, on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever social media platform you use, you may be the only picture of Jesus. How are you at presenting Jesus to others? That's the message of the gospel, that there is a generation following behind us. And so now I'm going to ask the worship team to come up front, and I'm going to ask us to all stand. And I'd like to pray for the moms in this room as we stand. And I'm going to pray in three specific ways. First of all, I want to pray for the moms in this room. You've got young people, young little ones, toddlers, and it's a struggle. You're, you're in the throes of dealing with toddlers. And if that's you, you've got young children. What we want to do is if you would, and moms that are next to other moms, this is going to be a great support. Here's what I want you to do. If you're raising young toddlers, little ones, would you lift up your hands? And if moms, you see a mom around you that's got her hand lifted up, would you put your hand on their shoulder, on them, look around for one? And I'm going to ask my wife to pray. Everybody heads bowed, every eyes closed. And if you're saying, I've got toddlers, and we want to pray a special prayer for you, that you don't kill them, all right? They, they're, they're the future, okay? So we're going to pray for you. So if you've got toddlers and, and moms, other moms, look around and look for a mom that you can. If you've got to move down an aisle, find a mom that's got her hand up, and you encourage her, okay? And you pray for her, okay? Here we go. I'm going to ask my wife to pray for all the moms with toddlers. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day where we can set aside to just focus on the moms to celebrate with them. And I know each mom in this room will agree with me that, yes, we want the special treatment today. We want to feel like a queen. We want to we want to be taken out for, you know, for lunch. We don't have to cook. We don't have to clean. But deep inside of us... We just want to be the best at motherhood. We want to be more. We want to be more patient. We want more time to get it more right and less wrong. We want more flashes of wisdom in the heat of the moment when we have no idea what's the best thing to do to this child. We actually want to do over. We want to do better. We really want, desperately want, for these children to remember the good the times where we've told them we love them and that they won't remember the bad memories, the bad things that we did. I especially, Lord, pray for these moms with toddlers, with little ones, with newborns, with babies. I pray for the times where they feel lonely while they're so tired and exhausted and they feel alone and they have no help. I pray that you would give them the grace that they need, the strength. I pray that you would remind them that we are called to be a mom to these, to these children. 
I pray you give them the extra strength that they need. Help them to go through the season thinking that the days are long, but the years are short. Now I want to pray for the moms in this room. You have teenagers, and that's a difficult stage. And if you're a mom with teenagers, if you just slip up your hand, we want to pray for you. And if you see a mom with teenagers around here, look to your left, look to your right, and find a mom. Put your hand on their shoulder and pray with me as we pray for them, as we lift them up, that God would bless them, give them the strength and the courage to continue on. And if that's you, would you just slip up your hand so we could pray for you as my wife prays for you. Dear God, I pray now for these moms with teenagers. It's a different stage where we're constantly battling emotionally. And it's not physical anymore, it's emotions. I pray for them as they raise a new generation of leaders. I pray that you'll put your hand of protection on them. May your grace be enough for their need. May they say the right words in the right time. May they hold them closer than anything else. I pray that they would be an example of your grace and of your love. Love that suffers. Love that holds them closer even though they're hurting you. I pray for a special blessing on these moms. In Christ's name. And also, I want to pray for a third group of ladies who are, or maybe you're not a lady, but Mother's Day is not a day of celebration for you. Maybe you've had a bad memory of a mom who was abusive, or maybe you've lost your mom and you have grief on Mother's Day. Maybe you've lost a child through a miscarriage. Or maybe you're that lady who's have so much desire to be a mom and you're just constantly waiting for that day to come. I'm going to pray for a special prayer for you. Dear God, pray for this group of women or even people who are going through this time for Mother's Day. It may not be a day of celebration for them, but I pray that you would put your hand of grace and mercy on them. I know some of them even skip baby showers. They don't want to go. They don't want to go through the grief of why not me? And I pray for these women that you would give them the joy unspeakable, the peace in their heart, that they don't have to be someone to be loved because you've already loved them. I pray for the women in this room who are struggling on Mother's Day maybe because of grief or they lost their mom or they lost a child before. I pray that you would embrace them with your love and protection. May they be a mom to other kids or other people. They can nurture them and take care of them. Thank you for a special day where we can celebrate our moms and how thankful we are because they show your love through us. In Christ's name we pray. Man, thank you for being standing. You may be seated. Can we just clap for the moms in this room? We honor you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let me go through a few announcements before we call our ushers up. Uh, this is Mother's Day, and uh, for all the single moms in this room, if you're a single mother in this room, we've got a special gift for you. On your way out, there's a pink bag for you, and uh, if you're a single mother, this gift is not to be spent on a bill, okay? This is for you to go get your nails done. This is for you to treat yourself, okay? Now, it's not, not going to go real far. I mean, Coles, maybe, you know? Um, it's just, this isn't Louis Vuitton status. This is just a little something, you know? 
So that's what this is at, you know. And uh, so uh, that just a gift for you. We also have a special mug for all the moms. Um, we ordered them a few weeks ago, and they had to reship them to us. And then so we found out last night that they're in Tracy. So if you want your mug, it's just a little bit of a drive to uh, Tracy. No. So what we're going to do, would you do us a favor? Would you just put your address on your card? We want to get that to you. It's a really cool mug. We want to make sure. Or if you're going to the ladies' luncheon this Saturday, we're going to have a bunch there. Pick up your mug there. Or next Sunday, you can come back and uh, uh, get it. And so we're so honored that you'd be here. We have a special uh, table as you came in. You enjoyed it on your way out. Make sure you stop and see that as well. If you got a connection card, you're a guest with us. Please fill that out. We have a special gift for you. And if you just fill that out, you can either drop it in the offering basket. It's passed. Or at our guest table on the way out, it's the table underneath the tent. You just put it there. We'll get it. We're so honored that you would be here. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. If you're a first-time guest with us, the offering is uh, for our members and regular tenders. If you're a first-time guest, we ask that this service be our gift to you. We're just honored that you would be here. And our, we'd only ask that you just fill out that connection card and uh, drop that in. Also, on the way out, if you received a worship guide, that's the folder with all the inserts. If, if we have a recycle basket, and, and uh, we're very conscious around here. If you just recycle those, and unless you're a guest, you want to keep that pen. But some of you, I think, have about 3,000 pens, because we keep losing pens, and, uh, you know, just just turn those in one day. Just just drop those off, you know, and so that'd be very helpful, all right? Let's pray for the offering as we take it, and then Pastor West will take over our service. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the wonderful day. I thank you for all the mothers in this room. Father, may they feel special today. May they feel loved and honored and cherished. May we as men do our part to make them feel special. Father, I pray that you would bless this offering. Our church tries to do so much here and around the world with our orphanage, with our missionaries, with our local outreach partners. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless this offering. We pray that you would continue to provide for our church as we add staff, as we grow into buildings, as we add services, we see more people reached. I pray that your favor would continue to be on our church. Father, we're, lo- we're loving what you're doing now. We pray your blessing on it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hi, my name is Lydia. Welcome to Southridge. We hope you enjoyed your experience with us today. Please take a moment to fill out the connection card located in your worship guide and drop it in the offering as it passed. Here are a couple things coming up next. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. 
We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at Shallow Small Group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? That's good. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? That's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. Who wants cake? And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy. And we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial. But hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? For more information, you can visit us on our website. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for visiting. Have a great week and see you soon. That's it for today. Thanks for visiting Southridge. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask anyone wearing the blue wing. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We are so glad that you came to be a part of the service today. How many of you thought Jane did a great job helping out today? Wasn't that great? Let's give her a big hand. Awesome. I know you've heard this multiple times, but if you're our guest today, we love you. We appreciate you being here. Be sure to stop by our guest table and drop off your connection card. Also, ladies, I know this is a special day for all the moms, but every... Every service is special. We want to make things special for ladies around here. And this Saturday, we're having this incredible ladies' spring luncheon. It's going to be held at the Mama Mia's in Morgan Hill. And uh, so, all guys, ladies said... Amen. Okay, so anyway, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. So we have a sign-up sheet that's right outside the door there. Be sure to stop by. It's right under the tent. So you can't miss it when you leave. Go by, sign up. Uh, these, This is an amazing meal. I mean, this is like a meal that would be $30, $35 normally. It's a giant spread, but we've got it for $15. So be sure to go ahead and save your reservation now because we need to turn those in this week. You will love that. Don't miss out on that. That's this coming Saturday. And then just right around the corner, we have our uh, Memorial Sunday. We're going to be having a picnic after the early service as well as the 1030 service. And how many of you like food, right? It's all good, right? So so we're looking forward to a great day of just hanging out and fellowshipping as well as we uh, approach that day. And then that's what this is. But be sure to take this with you. Don't recycle this. Take this and give this to somebody this week and invite them to church. You know, let's let's have a great time. when You can say, hey, we're having a special meal. We want you to come be a part of our service. And, and invite them to be a part of that as well. And then just around the corner, we're already talking about Father's Day, right? I don't want to steal the thunder on the ladies, but I know you guys have, when you leave, 
Ladies, be sure to stop by that beautiful table back there. There's chocolate, pineapple. There's chocolate oozing over that fountain. And uh, I think when the guys uh, have their day, I think that's going to be bullseye barbecue sauce running down with some steak chunks. You know, we're just going to dip it right in there. And all God's men said, all right. Are you glad you came to church today? God is good. And all the time. God bless you, Southridge. Have a wonderful day. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms.